0: Hi, everyone. This is Rex Saldana, along with my pal Mark Stevens, and we we're back for uh, episode 22 of our podcast, which is a very special one. This is We Were Tourists with Jim Toomey, who I don't think needs any introduction to rhythmics fans around the world as to who he is, Um Of course, uh, the Tourists were a new wave band, uh, successful in the late 70s and early 80s, and uh, Dave Stewart and Annie Lennox, of course, were members of that band. So we're going to talk to Jim today about all things Tourist and what's going on with his uh, current uh, life and what he's doing and performing, and uh, we'll also talk about his book, We Were Tourists," which came out, I believe, in 2018. And we'll talk about some things in that book as well. So I'm going to start out by saying, "Welcome, Jim. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We really
1: are glad." Hi, here.
2: Hi guys. Yeah, good to see you. Nice to see Jim, you, Jim.
1: Where are you? Uh, where are you joining us from? Where are you at at the moment?
2: Where am I at? I'm at Brisbane, uh-huh. Australia. Okay. And um, I've been here. I I lived in Japan for a couple of years. Um, I've been back here now for. Eight years, so I'm kind of, as I say, as I quoted before, I've parked, I've parked my car. Uh, I finally parked my car, and I'm in Brisbane, so I'm a resident here now.
1: Okay, wonderful. All right, thanks for joining us. Okay, so the next day there.
0: Yes, (laughs) that's what. It's
1: It's the the next day there from where we are. We're several Mm -hmm. hours behind you. You're in
0: the.
2: Australia's always been ahead, as you probably realize. Right.
0: <laughs> well, so, Jim, you wrote a book that came out a few years ago, We Were Tourists, about your time with the band The Tourists. Um, tell us, what made you decide to write the book?
2: Um, I don't know, really. I'd, I've always been an avid um, collector. I've, I've always kept diaries. And um, all the years I spent before uh, meeting Dave and Annie, I'd kind of written bits and pieces in exercise books, longhand, you know, and kind of kept them all in a box. Um, and then I thought, well, it might be nice to capture. Um, we had so many adventures in the tourists and of all the bands I was in before then and after then come to that, that was obviously the most successful thing I ever did. And uh, I thought, right, three-year gig um i'll capture it all so it kind of wrote itself really i i was sort of going through my diaries digging out all these dusty exercise (laughs) books um yeah so i didn't really plan it 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 kind of happened it's weird hard to describe really
1: yeah it's a really well done book i mean when i when i bought it i bought it when it first came out and um, it really is a good read you really did a really good job you can tell that that uh, that you that you had kept you know really good notes and you had really good memories of it of course but it's a really well done book i'm very oh,
2: thank you very much i actually um when the band split we all went back to london and it's probably hard to believe because you've read it but i actually did attend a creative writing school <laughs> uh, in london um which is as i said probably hard to believe so i did a, a little bit of um Kind of research, I suppose, and try, trying to learn the art of writing, you know. Yeah.
1: But you, did you at that time you didn't really have a you didn't have a plan to do a biography, did you? Or, or-
2: no, no, no. That was years before. I'd been writing short stories. Okay. Um, I've always done that, and uh, like silly kind of things, notes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, when we got back, I was so bored. After all that excitement, you know, I'd already filled in my forms for the immigration, and I've got a really funny story about the immigration. But if I if I digress, you better stop me. Okay. We're
0: all <laughs> um, funny. We're uh, a funny stories. So feel free to tell it.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, a quick one. I um, I got my interview at the um, British embassy, and uh, so I I didn't have a suit. I sort of borrowed my father's suit and my hair was sort of sticking out, and I had the interview. And um, they very politely said, no, because Australia doesn't need any more musicians, you know. (laughs) So I went, oh, okay, thanks very much. So, So I wrote to my sister, who lives and still does in Melbourne, who's got a travel agency. So I said, Marie, they've turned me down as a muso. Can I come and work for you? So she said, yeah. So I got another interview, and I turned up, wearing the same suit my hair sort of and my surname of course i was last T, so i've been waiting for like five hours and there's all these grumpy looking men and this pretty girl came out and and said mr toomey so i went yes (coughs) yes yes (laughs) and uh i followed and i thought well down this long corridor and i thought well she's the secretary she interviewed me and um she said, oh, you've been to Australia before. I said, yeah, I worked there in a band and blah, blah, blah. And she said, you've already been turned down. Suddenly you're a travel agent. <laughs> I said, yes, I've got this great idea of being a travel agent. I can book bands to Australia. And she was going, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. So what band were you in? I said, oh, it's a band called Tourist. And she said, you're joking. I saw you at the Hammersmith Odeon. Wow. And at that point, half my hair fell out. <laughs> and I, said, I said, Did you really? She said, Yeah. I said, That was me at the back there, you know, doing all this business. And uh, I won't exaggerate. She didn't just go bump, bump and stamp it, but she went, Oh, well, that, you know, and the interview just flowed after that. And I got in.
1: What a great. So that's got that's quite a nice little
2: story, isn't it? The, the tourists finally came through for me. <laughs>
1: so
0: you you were able to come in as a musician musician and and not not having to change to travel agent right
2: oh no i am a travel agent oh okay officially okay. um well you should it was a great okay. scam wasn't it?
0: this is a this is bad but you should have called the book from a tourist to a travel agent no i'm kidding
2: <laughs> that was from bad. travel I'm to sure. tourism yeah <laughs>
1: well. well one thing i wanted to ask you and i had read that you had um you had sent the book before it was published, am am I correct on this, to Dave Stewart and to Annie Lennox. Uh, And I don't know if you were asking their permission or if you were just saying, could you give me your feedback? Did you do that? And can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, um, I I was, I applied to about five different publishing companies and it it was too thick. It was too, there were too many words. Um, There was too much about crazy things, um, and they said, like, do an edit. So I've been doing all these edits, and I came to um, eventually got an offer from Austin McCauley, which are a really good publishing company based in London, and they've got offices in New York and all over, and they said, yeah, Jim, great, we want to sign you, but we need uh, permission, obviously, from the people you're referring to in the book, i.e. Eddie, Dave, Pete, and Annie, and um, so I wrote to Dave and I knew Dave wouldn't be a problem, <laughs> mad as a hatter. He said, Yeah, Jim, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything, you know. He said, I love the book. He said, I'll even write a um, he wrote me a um, a reference what's it called on the front forward. page forward, a forward, yeah. So he wrote me, he said, I'll write you a forward, and I thought, Great, you know. But Annie, I was waiting for ages, and finally, um, her manager, a, a lady at that time. Came through to me, and she said, "Jim, Annie loves it, but there is one sentence that that worries us, and it was a drug reference." And I said, "Oh, I can I can delete that, you know," and uh, got onto. I said, "Yep, yeah, that's done." I was thrilled. Annie actually okayed it, so I got permission both from Dave and Annie, and um, and Eddie, and of course, unfortunately, by then Pete had passed away um yeah so to answer your question i did have to go through that and annie bless her heart i mean there's as you've read the book i mean it's waltz and all there's i didn't miss anything out and uh so yeah i always will appreciate that from both of them yeah
1: well that's great that's That's great wonderful
0: yeah I, i just wanted to ask you there's there's some photographs in the book and there's one taken, which is in the in the the south of America, where you're all standing in front of a record store sign called Peaches. The record store was called Peaches. Now, I grew up in the south and that was the big record store chain there. So hmm. I grew up in Florida. I
2: don't know if you remember. Did you ever play in Florida? Do you remember- um, I don't think we I don't think we actually played there, but that's where we flew back from to go to the Caribbean.
0: OK, yeah. It's just, it's just funny to, uh, um,
2: Dave Sure was walking around the airport with a dog's dog. <laughs> yeah. I don't, th- I don't, <clears throat> I don't think we actually played in Florida, but that's okay. where we ended up after yeah. the long tour. Yeah. It's, it's just a little
0: jarring for me to see that, that, you know, that sign of, that I have store. I know so well, and I was like, <laughs> wow. Were, were, were they somehow near me when I was, you know, 10 years old? Yeah. We probably
2: <laughs> jumped off the, yeah. We probably jumped off the truck and just had our photos taken on the way to the airport. Yeah. 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 yeah but it's a good picture I remember yeah
0: yeah that is a great picture um you know I read in the book that you were uh like a session drummer in the 60s and 70s for a lot of different artists and that you toured and performed with Um, yeah and you you mentioned in the book that that's what kind of gave you the I guess experience which helped you with the tourists tell us about about that experience in the 60s and 70s working with those artists and going around like that that must have been pretty thrilling for you
2: it was. Yeah. I mean, uh, the first time I went to America was with Colin Blundstone, uh, who was the lead singer in The Zombies. Mm,
0: yeah.
2: You know, those those classic songs, Time of the Season, She's Not There. Mm-hmm. He went solo. The Zombies had broken up years before. Rod Argent had formed a band called Argent, um, which were quite successful. They had a big hit with Hold Your Head Up, you might remember. Um, yeah. So uh at that time, I was just I turn up at the studio um, with no idea who I'm recording with. And when I met Colin Bluntstone, awfully, awfully well spoken um public schoolboy, oh hello, you know. And I recorded two albums with him. One was called Ennismore, and the other one was called um, Put it written down here. Oh, yeah, one year. And there's been a big renaissance lately of, of uh, Colin has really released one year and it's got great reviews. And, um, yeah, so that was the sort of thing I was doing. And then Colin took me to America and we formed this great band, all with session guys, and they were complete lunatics. You meet You meet any session musician that's stuck in studios, you give them a tour and it's party time, you know. <laughs> That was a great fun band and we we had a week in each town. And um, so I had all that experience behind me. Uh, Mick Ronson, I did the old Grey Whistle Test with. um, He played guitar with Barry, of course. Um, I did a tour with him and um, the old Grey Whistle Test. Um, So these calls were coming in. Um, Stefan Grossman, I did an album with him. yeah, so I was getting really confident in the studio and when I met Dave and Annie, it was purely it was just another session. You know, I didn't even know I knew Dave from Long Dancer. And Dave and I had met in clubs and bars and stuff. Yeah. Uh and he's such a funny guy. I could I could talk to about Dave Stewart forever. I've got millions of stories, but we've only got We've only got forty-five minutes.
0: <laughs> well, maybe maybe we'll <coughs> share one quick one later.
1: <laughs> that's that's always the funny thing. That no matter who you talk to, who th- like you or there are Jimmy's, We've interviewed Jimmy Z and Jonies Jamison and different people, and everyone always says that we we have so many stories about. Dave Stewart, (laughs) I think we all know that that's you and you brought this you just brought this up and I thought this was a really interesting part in the book where you were talking about how you were doing a lot of session work and you would be called in to 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 record and the first time that you had that you met Annie and that you also mentioned that you just as you did that you had known Dave when he was in his first band, Long Dancer. And that's so fascinating to me, uh, all these connections and all these things that were going on in music at the time, uh, that that you were connected in a way. Um, there's a, The great part in your book, I want to read it, if you don't mind, the first time that you saw Annie, and you said... Dave looked totally different from the last time I had seen him. He had gypsy-style long earrings and had grown his hair long, and it was dyed vivid red, and he was sporting a goatee beard. He looked a bit like a hippie Texan cowboy with long boots and a country and western-style shirt and jacket. Annie was stunning, the complete opposite of her partner. She was neat and tidy and dressed in the latest punk style, tight straight leg trousers and a vivid red top which clashed marvelously with her blonde spiky hair so you have this really vivid memory of seeing annie lennox for the first time
2: yeah i do and you know, obviously she was dave's partner and uh i thought what is a attractive i hadn't heard her sing at this time but when she when i heard her voice come in the headphones it blew me away you know I thought, what is she doing with Dave? You know, I mean, David's, Dave is a crazy person. <laughs> and she seems, <clears throat> I think he was a bit out of it as well, the first time I met him. And and Annie was very prim and proper. And I thought, oh, yeah, well, that's interesting. And then I heard a Scottish accent, which blew me away. You know, hello there, Jimmy. You know, like. <laughs> is, um, it,
1: is it opposites attract, maybe?
2: <laughs> well, it must have been. I mean, it worked really well and still does, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they're very close um but it wasn't until we started recording um i didn't have annie's voice in my headphone at the time i just had pete and eddie oh no it wasn't eddie it was the session bass player at that time um so we we're in the first verse or something of this really fast and then annie's voice came in and i just went wow almost knocked me off the drum stall you know i heard this amazing uh perfect pitch you know, stunning vocal. I can't remember which song it was, unfortunately. A long time ago. It was a demo, obviously, it was a demo session. Um, yeah, so my first impressions of both of them was uh, I always knew Dave was a good guitar player, but he was he was right on it, you know. And uh yeah, first impressions. And you're right, opposites attract.
1: Mm. You And you also write in your book about what you were just talking about the first time you heard that voice come through your headphones, I guess it was, and you said her voice soared, that's what you wrote in the book. And then then you said something really interesting, and I want you to explain it. You said, or you wrote rather, it was a scary experience to hear a singer with such a range to her voice. Explain what you meant by that, that this it was a scary experience almost.
2: Well, you know, to be a session musician is so boring most of the time. You're looking at your watch, you're looking at the clock, every three hours you get paid more. <laughs> <laughs> so you get into this boring, you know, like routine of, oh, yeah, that's good. that sounds nice. And you go and listen to it back, and you have to say to the producer, oh, what a good singer, what a, oh, what a great songwriter. When I heard Annie's voice, it was just like, blew me away completely. The best example of what I'm trying to say is if you listen to that song, Why, you know, on Annie's solo, one of Annie's solo's album, solo albums, um, her range in that, and there's another one. She's just got this ability to come in almost baritone and then go straight through to like a high falsetto. Um, There aren't many artists in the world that can do that i i can't imagine there's any singers around that that really do have that range and that was apparent from the first demos <clears throat> you know it was really outstanding so that's why it was frightening mm.
1: yeah that's a it's it's interesting to when you come across it's it's uh, did it give you chills i mean did you you know how you get chills or you you, you get those things when you come across something that's just extraordinary <laughs> You knew yeah that.
2: well yeah yeah well we we played I was the as I said the bass player was Andy's Andy, Andy. Uh, he was a session bass player this is before Eddie but he and I um so it's him on bass me on drums Dave on guitar and Pete on on rhythm guitar and vocals and Annie um yeah I think we only did three songs but I broke out into a sweat <clears throat> with the the energy and the speed of the songs that I was presented with. I mean, Pete had this amazing ability to it was just strumming the guitar, just playing the chords. But they always went somewhere interesting. You know, his songwriting was absolutely unbelievable. And Annie, on top of that, was the cream on the cake. Uh, So me and the bass player, I remember clearly we went we hung around. You know, usually I'd say, okay, gentlemen, there's the check, you know, sign the receipt, pack up my drums and go. We just hung out in the studio, me and uh, Andy, the bass player, um, and listened to the playbacks. And they just did a rough mix. And, and of course, Dave was right on it, you know, Mr. Super Ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that was the difference. It was totally different. And when they rang me, when Dave rang me up and asked me to join the band or let's form a band, um, I was earning, I was doing really well financially. I said, Dave, <clears throat> I can't really, you know, it's it's time consuming. You know, you want me to rehearse every day and form a band? That's a big workload. You know, I, I'm too busy. Um, and typical Dave said, Look, I'll come over. He, <laughs> he and he came over me at a, uh, relaxed a bit, had a few cigarettes, and and sat around, and and I thought, well, he's right, you know. I mean, how many opportunities will I get to join such a good songwriter and such a brilliant lead vocalist? So I went, oh yeah, Dave said it, let's do it, you know. So <laughs> I I cancelled. Well, I didn't cancel a lot, a long time ago. <clears throat> In fact, when when. When we had those contractual problems with uh I, we couldn't be called and we couldn't tour for a while i went off and did this mad tour with a guy called ronnie paisley it's a great album if you can get it on pie records um called smoking mirror mm-hmm. and i went off and did this tour long tour with him um for about six weeks and when i came back david and i were going you know, we haven't rehearsed anything. Well, I said, well, you know, I'm I'm still keen, I'm still excited, but at the same time, I do have other other projects, you know.
1: You had to make a living.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, I was doing really well at that point. And then um, anyway, then we signed with Logo Records and it was all resolved.
0: Wow. Well, so the Tourist put out three albums: The Tourist, Reality Effect, and Luminous Basement. I'd like to hear about that photo session for the cover of uh, Reality Effect, I believe, where you're all splattered with paint and Annie's wearing the wedding dress and all that. Do you recall <clears> any, <throat> any memories about filming that, uh, I mean, photographing that album cover and those images?
2: Yes, do I? Uh, <laughs> um, somebody, wrote, you know, I've got my little unofficial fan, my little unofficial tourist fan club. One of the, one of the I get loads of questions on that. And one of them was, um, how did you, was it your idea? Who, who was it that set up that photo session? Who was it that came up with these brilliant ideas? And I replied, well, it wasn't me. Um, it certainly wasn't Eddie. <laughs> Made a few words. Um, and no way in the world would it be Peter, you know, like Pete. Mr. Space Cadet, oh, you're joking. I don't know, photo session, what? Um, so it was obviously, it must have been David Annie's idea. And what a brilliant idea. I mean, all I got was, we were still touring, and um, I think the management company or the record company said, Jim, can you wear all white? We're having a white photo session. And I had this boiler suit, um, you know, like Townsend's, Pete Townsend always wore those white... So I was all right. I was all in white, and I turned up. Still, had no idea what was going on, and uh, and he's in a wedding dress. I went, "Hello, Annie. You know, <laughs> morning. You know how are you you know good gig last night, wasn't it?" Mm-hmm. Yes, you. Yeah, it was good. Um, and we went into this white room, and the, and the guy said, "What I want you to do is there are all these tins of paint, all different colours. Can you throw it all over each other?" And I went, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> yes i would love to and i think i was the first one um, i had a guy annie i think it was blue i can't remember and she she was immaculate you know we did a lot of photos before they let us free on the paint and i couldn't wait you know uh, well none of us could really put with the exception of annie probably couldn't wait to get onto the paint and um i was the first one and then he said, okay go and i just went whoosh into- <laughs> And the most stunning thing that came out of that is the photograph of Annie. If you look at closely at Annie's expression, she's in the wedding dress. She's covered in paint and she's got, it's like a surrealist painting. She's got this completely blank expression, which is kind of, look at me. You know, look, look what they're doing to me. Mm. That photograph is so emotional. I really wanted to put it on the cover of my book, and I thought, no, 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 no. Let's let's. I don't want it. To, you know, I don't want to use Annie's face to do. So I didn't choose it. But um, and that was the single. I think one of the single covers for a single. Um, a color photograph was one of the covers. Yeah. yeah so that was a fun. It, that, that was such a fun time. Well,
0: At so that point. Oh, sorry. yeah we were
2: we were really like a, a bunch of pirates at that time we were all having so much fun and it captured that album cover it's the best photo session i've ever done oh, wow. and i've done a few, you know
0: well i guess if i was throwing paint around at the people that might be fun too how, how easy was that to clean up <laughs> i mean was this like did you have to use paint
2: thinner like on your skin <laughs> i don't know but i remember we all got in a shower and and he was in there as well. It's like we're all in the, we were like children, you know, and we were trying to show this paint off. And I don't know, it was just a fun time, yeah. you know, and it was a fun band. It really was, you know.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that. That's very, very uh, fascinating.
1: One thing I wanted to ask about, um, and you mentioned Pete, and he was the. a a prolific songwriter and you talk about it in the book that, you know, he could just, just go in and, and, and write. And of course, Dave and Annie still talk about it that for the most part, you know, that they didn't write any songs for the tourist. Um, And one thing that always has struck me about the tourist um, is that Annie once in a while has a lead vocal. She's often uh, paired with uh, Pete Um, but you talk about, you know, and and, and it's clear, of course, that, but you talk about how, uh, Annie is this incredible voice, but there weren't a lot of times where the tourist actually used her voice, like maybe they could have, the band could have, and that must have been, did you, did you think we should have done it more or, what, what, when you look back on it, what, or what did you think? Yeah, you
2: yeah, think? kind of. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Um, and you're not right. She actually, David and A did write a few songs. Um, I mean, co wrote, um, a, a song called In a Room, um, on one of the albums. And of course, Annie wrote the classic, um, One Step Closer to the Edge, Yes, right. where, where right. she sings completely on her own. And that is her song. She wrote that um in fact when we we'd had two or three hits and and it was i was getting frustrated because as a drummer after three years it gets a bit kind of predictable you're playing the same drum patterns all the time Mm. and uh blind among the flowers um i only want to be with you um all the all the most of the and playing those live every night my drum patterns were <clears throat.'" uvre> when it came to one step closer to the edge one step it was really powerful you know but that that was that that was the real Annie you know and I said to the record company we should do that as a single because that would put Annie as her song, she sings it brilliantly. It's so emotional. And they went, Whoa, you're joking. Everything, you know, it's the post punk, everything's bada, 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 bada. and I said, Well, it would be, it would put the whole band more in focus. And um, I think I approached David and Annie, I can't remember. We we were working. The problem is we never had any time. We were always on the road and we were always getting in a bus or, or getting in the plane, or we never really, it's difficult. I can't I think I might've done. And they probably would have said, Oh no, Pete's got all these brilliant songs, which was true. You know, we, we actually had too many songs. Um, yeah. So I, I know exactly what you mean. And I said, so to answer that, I, I think the answer would be yes. I think at that point, it would have been a good idea. Um, yeah, so it's a shame. I love that song. You know, that's one of... And that was like an early Eurythmics feel, you know. Yeah, exactly.
1: It, it yeah. is, isn't it? And I think a lot of Eurythmics fans really uh, uh, are uh, focused on that song. They really connect with that song because it is very really Eurythmics. And you talk about it in the book, the first time you heard her singing that, she was just at the piano. This was very early in the 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 years of the tourist <laughs> And she was uh, was, singing it.
2: And it was was just after Dave rang me, you know, to persuade me and came over and said that, you know, come on, Jim, we need some commitment. We want you to join. It was just after that. uh, I had a house in in Hendon in North London and the the studio, the front room was converted into a studio. So we did all our demos there. Um, So Dave and Annie would come turn up about 10 in the morning. Everything was set up. We had the classic two Revox tape machines trying to get four tracks together. So we're doing demos in the first few weeks. And we were having a cup of tea, as I remember, in the kitchen. And Annie was still in in the front room, which was the studio. And she was just playing on the keyboard that song. And I thought, what is that? And I said, Annie. And we all did. It wasn't just me, you know. Let's what are the chords? You know, let's work it out. And she was so defensive. She said, No, no, no. That is a very personal song. I don't want that. That that's got nothing to do with what we're doing. And I said, Yeah, but it's such a great song. <laughs> I can't we I think we did do a demo of it eventually. We had to persuade her to do it. Um, and she's such a lovely lady, you can't really bully people you know I mean you can't say to a songwriter you do that I'm not an aR man I'm the drummer you know <laughs> um, yeah so um yeah but so it, that was that was the first time you heard it
1: but it didn't make it didn't become a recording for you all till your life no,
2: yeah that was always there in my mind anyway I probably I probably would have kept bringing it up and oh Jim's on about that song again all right let's do it. <laughs> um yeah so there you go i mean we should have done more of that in my opinion you know
1: Do do you think annie was just and i know she wanted to be a songwriter but do you think she was because you you it's interesting you just said you know that she said it's very personal and do you think she was like well maybe this is too personal and that she wasn't comfortable just yet kind of being that kind of songwriter she wasn't sure enough about herself
2: well, when you've got someone like Pete Coombs in the band, who is—I mean, his lyrics were were amazing, uh, completely left of center, completely fitted the the emotion of the time. The The Pretenders, the Police, uh, the Vibrators—all these great bands were going around, um, and he was in a band playing playing, singing lyrics that she hadn't written. And to me, it was a golden opportunity for her to do her her own song. But um, can you imagine how she felt? I mean, she's right next to this with Peter, who's writing these amazing songs and really cool lyrics. I mean, I could quote a lot of Pete's words that, that were absolutely stunning. Unfortunately, in the last album, his lyrics were getting more and more obscure um, and more hard to understand for me, anyway. Um, yeah, so that that's just the way it was. I mean, she probably lacked a bit of confidence. Don't forget, she was only twenty.
1: Yeah, she's very young. Know,
2: nice, <laughs> fresh out of university and and living with this crazy person. Uh, <laughs>
0: Oh well that's, that's um, a good segue into a funny Dave Stewart story if you have a if you have one you can think of that you think we would all
2: enjoy.
1: Rex wants a funny Dave Stewart story. Yeah, funny, uh, a
2: funny Dave Stewart story. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Um let me think. I'll that's I'll try and keep pressure, it in man. context. I'll try and keep it in context with that house and the sessions. We're having a cup of tea and Dave he said oh he said them um, it was only a month or so ago he said I was I was coming back. Him he and Pete used to do some duo gigs. And he said, I had this van, Jim. And he said, and we scored all these pills. We got all these pills and and and, and I'm tripping. <laughs> Dave, I hope you don't mind me saying this. Um he's probably gonna go, Oh Jim, you're a bit over the top. And he said, I had all these illegal things in the van, and we we're coming down the hill at Muswell Hill, which is where Annie and Dave lived. There's a hill. And there's a, he said, I put my foot on the brakes and the brakes had fouled and we went round round about. So he said, the best thing I could do, I put the handbrake on. He said, I put the handbrake on, the van went on its side and it slid. I mean, Dave is such a great storyteller. I was, you know, sitting, but all listening. And it slid right onto the steps of a police station. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm saying, oh, did it, Dave, you know? ten o'clock in the morning, and a cup of tea, and it's tea. so he said. The police came out, and they pulled me out of the van. and And Pete must have, ain't Pete? Yeah, Pete must have been with it. Oh no, he dropped Pete off. He was on his own. Uh-huh. And uh, they, they, he said, "Are you okay?" He said, "Yeah." He was, he was so out of it. He's loose and he's bouncing around. He, yeah, I'm okay. So they take him into the police station. This is like three in the morning, according to Dave. Um, and had a cup of tea. How English is that? <clears throat> and they're saying, they're saying, well, what happened? You know, he said the brakes failed. I just put the handbrake on, and you know, he's got his red hair and he's, you know, he looks crazy, I guess. And um, so they're chatting away, and and <clears throat> and all these all these jars had rolled out. <laughs> I forgot to mention rolled out. Anyway, Dave swears it's true. He got a little tab of acid. And when they weren't looking, put one in each of their cups of tea, and the conversation suddenly (laughs) got better. And he said, "Jim, he said this is true." We started all started laughing, and in the end, the the pickup truck had taken the van away. And Dave said, "Oh well, I've got to go home now." And I went, "Oh, okay, Dave. Yeah, nice to yeah, okay, yeah, yeah." And he got away with it. He got away with it. (laughs) Can you imagine? You're you're trying to record and be serious. And you've got Dave telling stories like that. I'd love to think it was true. And I'm sure it is.
1: Um, <laughs> well, we're going to go with it that it was. How's that?
2: <laughs> so there's there's a small snippet of of Dave's humor, you know, and his ability.
0: The pre-spiritual cowboys.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 So there you go. A quick, wow. a quick Dave Stewart story. Well, uh, we asked for a good story and you gave us one. Thank you. you're welcome I hope he doesn't sue me he's going to say Jim you can't say that in a podcast
1: Uh, Dave tells a lots of stories so Dave uh, says so many things
0: along those same lines I wouldn't worry about it
1: (laughs) Now you you do talk in the book quite a bit that that uh, four of the five members of the band uh, were often um, inebriated (laughs) and often not Annie so um, so you you all uh, part would partake in uh, a lot of um, drinking and maybe some drugs. Is that right back in the day? <laughs>
2: maybe. Well, Annie, to her credit, kept it all together. I mean, I remember one, a bar in New York. Um, we met um, Blondie. And, of course, uh, Clem Burke, uh, the drummer, and I became friends. You know, he's a Who fan. He, he wants to know everything about Keith Moon. And when I told him I'd met Keith Moon, he was all over me, like a rash, you know. Hey, Jim, let me buy you a drink. <clears throat> of course, we all wanted to meet Debbie, and she wasn't there. And they all wanted to meet Annie. And, of course, Annie wasn't there, because after the gig, Annie would keep it all together, back to the hotel. The rest of us would, well, not so much Dave, um, because they were, were together, you know. But So it usually ended up with me, Pete, and Eddie, going out and doing stuff. And, um, yeah, so that gives you an example. Annie, to her credit, kept it all together. She'd have the odd glass of wine. Um, yeah, and like I said, it was a fun band. We, we were we were having a time of our lives, you know, and so was Annie in Annie's way. Um, and we were just doing the predictable, it's party time!
1: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, yeah, you're, so. uh, you're, you're only... <laughs> Uh, young once, and I suspect for m- most people, you're not in a, a successful uh, uh, band either. So that was uh, that was, a, a, I'm sure, at a fantastic, great time for you. Uh,
2: yeah, and Clem Burke, oddly enough, while I think of it, ended up working with Dave. Yeah, yep. and I was in the Eurythmics, and I was thrilled, you know, because yeah. he's such a lovely guy, complete Premier freak, he loves Premier drums, mm. and of course that's what Keith Moon. Keith Moon from The Who would recycle them yeah, uh, in a regular basis. I knew a friend of mine You had to, every time he smashed his drum kit up, he'd have to get him another one <laughs> all over America, you know. And Clem wanted to know every single thing. I did it when I was with Colin Blundstone, <coughs> who I mentioned earlier, you know, from the Zombies. We did a, a concert supporting the Small Faces, Gary uh, Gary Glitter. <laughs> Um, and the who at the top of the bill, you know. So I met Keith um, in the toilet, actually, in the green room. Um, and he did the classic drunk, you know, Keith uh, loved to drink. And he put his hand up in the toilet. So we're standing next to each other. You know, i got long hair. <clears throat> and he said, uh, they won't let me in, Jim. This is Keith Moon, you know. He probably thought I was a roadie or something. He said, they won't let me in. I said, won't they, Keith? Who won't let you in? He said, My own bloody banned. They wouldn't let him in the dressing room. Because <laughs> he had this habit of rearranging dressing rooms and hotels. And yeah. <clears throat> so Clem loved all those stories. And Clem and I just sort of, you know, we were there, I think we were there till six in the morning, just telling stories. And oh,
1: nice. Yeah,
2: so he's a lovely guy. And I was thrilled that he ended up working with Dave, you know.
1: It's so interesting that you mentioned Clem Burke because so, it's so fun to watch him uh, you know, in, in video and of live performances and with Dave and Annie. But I've been I've been watching a lot of tourist videos in preparation for this interview. And you too are really interesting when you're performing. And it's it's I mean, I'm not talking about just, you know, the drumming. You you do some I don't know what I would call it, Some uh, performing on your own, where you have facial expressions, mm-hmm. you know, you're twirling uh, and you, you do some really cool things. You were kind of very, really, you know, if people were paying attention, not just to Annie and Pete up front singing, if you look in the back there with the drummer, you're doing, you're having a lot of fun back there.
2: Well, I learned that from the 60s watching bands like The Who. I mean, Keith Moon is so animated.
1: And animated, I used, Yeah, that's the word, animated yeah. animated.
2: yeah, and I used to go, I used to hang out at the Marquee Club <coughs> in Wardour, in, in Soho, in London, and, and watch all these bands before I turned pro, you know, and I obviously I'd always stare at the drummer, and uh, I thought, I want to be like that. That's what I want to do. I'm going to get all the pretty girls. I'm going to go out and, you know, look at me. Oh, I'm over here. I'm at the back, but here I am. Right. Uh, and Clem Burke, you're right. Clem had that lovely way of, you know, everything was, you know, everything to exaggerate. Brilliant uh-huh. drum
1: and, and but really good yeah. to
2: watch. Yeah. So um, we're probably winding down the
0: podcast now because it's been almost 50 minutes, but uh, tell us, Jim, a little about where you perform today in Australia or wherever and what you do and uh, maybe where folks can go and see you if they want. I know you post a lot yeah. of things on your social media about gigs you have and all that. I see that. but
2: Yeah. Well, you know that that uh, Elton John song, uh, the club at the end of the street. Mm. That's a, quite a classic sort of, <clears throat> which is a lovely story about, you know, everyone, all the locals go there. I've got a club at the end of my street and it's called the Village Social Bar in Nanda. Nanda, the suburb where I live, it's kind of become trendy and, and kind of fashionable, and it's a little pop up bar, singles bar, cocktails. Dave would love it. He's a cocktail. I keep asking Dave, when you come to Brisbane, <coughs> let me tell you <coughs> to my local bar, you know, cocktails. So I work there, <coughs> sorry, my voice is going every Saturday.
0: I was afraid that was gonna to happen to me. I'm still
2: so recording like, the Yeah. So I'm like the house drummer. And I invite all my favorite musicians every Saturday. I'm in a different band. Um, usually they're solo artists. Um, I've got a guy called D- Tim Gage who toured England, um, recorded with Jimmy Barnes, who is a big face, a big name in, in Australia. Um, great singer, and he's a lovely guy. And he's kind of retired and he teaches music. He said, Jim, I love coming down and we do this. So we've got a, a little trio called the Bargazers. I've got another band called the Dodgy Brothers, <laughs> which is just a duo. So I'm still gigging around. I mean, at the moment, it's only one every Saturday. And uh, I've got a great um, um, guy, for, a Maori guy from New Zealand, who's got a great voice like Way Charles. And he does a lot of downbeat reggae, and I love reggae. So at the moment, I'm happy as a soundboy by doing that. And uh, I book the bands, and I, and I which is a bit time-consuming. But, And they're, they're just people that I really like and good players. So I'm very lucky that I can still do that. I get offered tours now and again, but I, I don't tour anymore. I don't like, you know, I've got my family and, and uh, my eight-year-old son is just over there on the computer sky what game are you playing Uh, what yeah he's (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i'm a family man now you know i don't i um i've had enough hotels yeah yeah so i'm very lucky
0: well mark do you have anything anything else you'd like to ask jim before we kind of wrap this up
1: I think it it would be interesting, um, uh, your thoughts. So I think if I understand it, you know, when, when the tourist broke up, uh, Pete basically left, you were in, you were in Australia, I believe, and Pete basically left and, and it, it sort of just the, the band broke up from there. I wonder if you ever think back on, if that hadn't happened, um, what the future might have been would things have changed would dave and annie become more involved in songwriting do you ever think about that or did things just do you do you ever think like that do or just you know things happen the way they're supposed to things move on um what about that
2: yeah i'm a great believer in um you know that word synchronicity which i can't spell um it's things happen you know i mean that's another funny story i'm i'm three in the morning I'm in a bar with Pete the, the night he he split in Melbourne and uh I was I was getting frustrated you know playing the same songs all the time da da, da 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 I love reggae and I love jazz and I love blues and I wasn't doing any of those things and I think Pete had got to that point and it's so funny he said Jim I'm going home in the morning I said oh are you Pete I said Do you know where we are He said, yeah, because he quite often didn't quite know where we were. Um, He said, yeah, we're in Australia. I said, well, it's a long way way home. He said, no, I'm going home. He said, "Uh, yeah, I I missed the family. And he was the only married person, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went, oh, okay, Pete, you know, the usual sort of Pete conversation. I came down the next morning and there's Dave and Annie having breakfast, looking really, I said, morning, how are you? You know, what's happening? And they said, he's gone. I said, What? Pete's gone home. And he'd it <laughs> rung the record company or the management company, organized the flight, and he'd gone, he'd left. So I said, Well, now we're a four piece. We've still got about I think we had about another 10 gigs to go. Let's let's go for it. Let's you know. Dave is such a brilliant guitar player. He could he could play rhythm and you know it musically we wouldn't really miss the guitar part so much, but we'd certainly miss Pete's vocal, you know. So we did, um, I don't know, I can't remember, six or eight gigs just as a four piece with Annie doing all the vocals on her own. But of course, poor old Annie is still singing lyrics, some of which none of us understood, because uh, at, that, at that time Pete was really getting out. Of, out. His songwriting was becoming very obscure. Um, and it was quite sad, really, because, you know, I was still wanting to keep it all together. And um, we just realized it's not going to work. We, you know, we, could, we couldn't ask Dave and Annie to write enough songs for a two hour gig. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you know, give Sorry. us some songs, you know. Yeah. So, and I think thinking back, as you asked me, do, do I think back? Um, I think it was the best thing that could have happened because Dave and Annie. you think of it all those years all their songwriting was just bubbling under they were probably as frustrated as i was you know let's let's do something different let's do something and um yeah so i think it was just the way things happened really
1: um well let's let's have you talk just a little bit about dave and annie and how they went on to eurythmics and uh the first time I think Dave uh, invited you over to hear some early Eurythmics. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly?
2: Yeah. I just organized a big party at a club called Dingwalls in London in Camden Town. Where I had my going away party. And I was gave Dave and Annie an invite. And I said, look, the theme is bad taste because everybody in England thinks that going to Australia, oh, 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 the Aussies. Oh, no. Why would you go there, you know? So I thought, oh, well, dress theme, bad taste. Um, I was in drag. I've got a great photo of me. I've got these amazing boobs, and Annie is grabbing my, one of my boobs. It was a great party. But that <laughs> week, that week um, I asked, Dave asked me, he said, come to the studio. I've got, I want to play you this demo we've done. And it was Sweet Dreams. And he said, I want you to do a little, there's a little ching, a little, you know, percussion thing I wanted you to do like a little Chinese gong and he played it and I blew me up I said Dave there's no guitar where's the guitar you're one of the best guitar players in the world you know he said no Jim I did this on four track and I thought it's another one of his stories you know um, or did it on eight track I thought it was one of these stories about you know the, the van slider I went oh yeah David, but he played it again I said I said, the lyrics. And I said, Dave, how about this one under 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 understatement? I said, Dave, that could go top 10.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. It went to number one all over the world, you know. I mean, not Australia. I'm going, yes, look at it in the chart, you know, it's gone up. Yeah, now yes, we celebrating uh, the
0: 30th anniversary this year of that song.
2: I know, isn't it hard to believe? 40 um, years. Yeah. yeah. And it still sounds. Like one of Dave's stories, it still sounds unbelievable.
1: <laughs> yes, well, that's what a what a great way to put that. What a great way to put that. Uh, it, it it you must. Um, I think you know a lot of people have a lot of uh, fond memories of the tourist, and 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 you had a you had a really huge following, and that doesn't you, that still a lot of people who you know really love the tourist. Would you like to see? I don't know who it would be. I don't know what record company even has the rights to it now, but you know sort of a, a box set of the of the tourist music or something and mm. uh you know it's it's sort of not had it you know it yeah it sort of deserves to make kind of a remastered thing to happen. sure yeah. yeah
2: I mean I'm I'm very proud of all those three albums. I'm I'm proud of everything we did. Um and I quite often on my little fan my little you, you know unofficial tourist fan club I get a lot of people asking me that question. In fact, somebody said the other week they can't get, um, yeah, that they they're finding it difficult to get old tourist stuff. I think that would be a brilliant idea. I mean, when Dave had his party um, some years back in in London, I wrote to him and I said, Dave, why don't we fly me over and we'll 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 open your gig with Annie singing. I only want to be with you. It'll be a blast, you know. Um, and that didn't work out, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, things like that uh, would be fabulous, you know. I mean, a, a box set. Uh, ask Mister Google, or ask Mister CBS. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Or ask Mister Ask Mister Logo. They they've all got you know they've all got rights to those recordings. I I'd, I'd buy one
1: yeah so would I. well there's three there's three cells just right here but uh, <laughs> oh there you go well yeah. uh, is there anything that we've not asked you that you'd like to say or would uh, for in the podcast anything else you'd like to tell us about
2: uh well yes Uh one of my hobbies is weather forecasting and i i was just wondering if you guys you just had a big storm didn't you in california
0: yeah i'm in california yeah. we're still having a big storm we've this yeah. is yeah this has been like, I think 10 days straight of like, of this, you know, these atmospheric rivers of rain. I mean, we were having a terrible drought and now we have too much water.
2: Yeah, I know. Well, my children have just, we've just got back from Japan snow building. And um, it's incredible in, in Japan, there's so much snow. In Europe, they're having a heat wave. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's my little hobby. I don't want to bore everybody with that.
0: Yeah. But well done, well, guys. Day. You survived.
2: We've been praying for rain, and now we're getting way too much of it. (laughs) (laughs) That'll teach you.
0: We thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It's been really great.
2: Well, I've really enjoyed it, guys, and uh, it's so nice. In fact, it's great. Um, The American accent, I've – with Mr. Stevens over there, I've seen so many photos and seen so – he's got this amazing American accent. I I don't know
0: because. He mentioned, is he, is Jim going to mention my accent?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, God, God damn it. I think it's a great accent. No, it it's is, wonderful. It's a, it's a very it's grand so nice.
0: Southern, grand Southern accent. It's very, um it's a yeah. sophisticated cultured Southern. Well, it I, is.
1: I'm on the, I'm on the East Coast. So yeah, and I'm, and I'm in the South. So yeah, so it is yeah. what it is. It is what it, is. I, I it, is, what what it is. is. But I do want to say, um, Your book is really wonderful. It's a great read. Uh, It's called We Were Tourists. And if anyone's listening and you don't have this book, you can go to Amazon or any online retailer and get it. Uh, It's really a great read. You get a lot of great information about the tourist, about Dave and Annie. And I'm not going to give it away, but the story in the book about the Gypsy Rose uh, uh, fortune teller So I'm not going to give it away, but it's worth the read. And then you refer back to it in the epilogue. And again, I don't want to give it away because I want people to go buy this book. Uh, But there's a great, great story about Dave and Annie, about this storyteller that you that you all met. And then you and Annie refer back to it many years later. So it's really worth three. If nothing else, go buy the book for that one story about the storyteller, Mm -hmm. uh, the fortune teller. (laughs) <laughs> oh and just
2: one more thing i forgot to mention when i asked annie for permission to to publish the book uh it was called once once were tourists that was my idea and when she wrote back and asked me to change that sentence she said why don't you call it we were we, we were tourists. Tourists. Yeah. so i went yeah great great idea yeah so well done annie you came up with the title
1: ah uh, so cool. annie's responsible for your title then
2: Well, the first word anyway, (laughs) once were, you know, I mean,
1: okay. I think they're, I think they were both good titles. So (laughs) I don't think it's gone wrong with yours, but uh, (laughs) it has been, uh, it was, has been interesting following you. And by the way, it's, it's great when you come on the, the Facebook boards and all the different fan boards and, and, and talk to, to all of us and give us insight and that's really great. It's really cool. And I'm so pleased to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank Thank you.
2: Thank you both gentlemen. Yes. Take care.